Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kurji. My guest is Rob O'Connor. Hello. And we are on minute 46, 4500 to 4559. Uh, let's just go a quick recap of the minute. We start with Benoit say, holding up the clear and saying this. Uh, and then Miles proceeds to explain that the all of it, all this awesome lighting, the heating and the cooling, everything right down to my fax machine. The whole glass onion is powered by clear. This causes uh, some consternation, um, specifically. Oh my God, Miles. Guys, we did it. I'm out, I'm done. This is reckless. And you're gonna get somebody killed. Miles basically says, it's already done, we're fine. Oh, you're not getting out. It's already happening. I love you. And then proceeds to change the topic to say oh, let's, that- Let's eat. And approaches the dinner table and says- Okay, gang. It's been a memorable weekend already, to be sure. But now the real fun starts. We got three days to bask in the sun, swim in the Ionian Sea, eat good food and wine, and enjoy each other's company. But alongside and underneath the parquet, you've been charged with a serious task. Oh, sorry. So he ends with... Tonight, in this very room, a murder. I've done really quickly. I'm happy to go... We'll, we'll probably go in depth about the cinematics mm -hmm. there. Uh, yeah, I like this. Uh, there's a couple of key bits and kind of Miles' character that really stood out to me that I really liked. Um... The fact that he, the fact that he says to Lionel, he's like, "Oh no, this is already happening." I love you, man. As, as if he's trying to kind of deflate and diffuse the situation and still convince everyone else and himself that he's this lovely, carefree, you know, chill guy. Um, really like that. Just really like the look of Clear throughout the movie. It's real kind of, you know, and this is a criticism that's been leveled at this movie that it's, it's more of a kind of a science fiction type thing. It nearly looks like a piece of kryptonite or something. <laughs> Um, and then there's loads of interesting things I was reading about hydrogen power and all that sort of stuff. We get into that. Um, and yeah, there's that, that lovely shot you talked about. We'll probably get into that now in a sec about it's almost like a last supper type shot. Um, mm. and, and the wardrobe as well. I, maybe we'll get into that in a future minute, but, um, just the wardrobe really, really stands out to me. Uh, as soon as, like, as soon as you enter this world, you're just looking at everyone's clothes, which is amazing. Miles is like, all of it, all the, all the lights, all the things, all the facts, proceedings, and we're like rotating through bit members of the cast. Um, but as soon as we cut to um, Lionel uh, the second time, right after the whole glass onion, we see uh, Clara going, oh my God, Miles. And then we have this really cool shot um, where we've got Lionel out of focus. Mm. and Miles in focus and he's sort of appealing to like it's all good guys we did it right we did it but in, in the middle we did it we cut to uh, Lionel not looking at Miles cause, and we know because of that out of focus shot that like Miles is behind him and sort of to the right and he's looking to the left and because of that out of focus shot when we cut to Lionel looking dead like dead serious kind of in the middle distance. We know it's middle distance because we know he's not staring at Miles, the one talking, because ah. of that, like, out-of-focus shot. It's, like, a really clean, neat way of, like, making it clear that he's, like, kind of overwhelmed and being like, ah, oh, fudge. Um, uh, because we, we that previous shot establishes that he's not, like, staring daggers. Like, what did you do? He's like, oh, crap, because he's not looking at anyone in particular. Right, no one else is talking. It's a Miles show, but Miles is over back, sort of 
to his right and he's staring off. Mm. I just thought it was a really cool way of conveying that. And then even sort of when he says, this is reckless, you're going to get someone killed, he's like glancing back at where Miles is probably, but still kind of looking off. Like he's just not ready to engage Miles. No. He's just like, what the... Because I'm assuming he's looking at like the room, right? I think that's what they're trying to give me, right? He's just like, holy crap, this whole place. I can't like look at you and chastise you because I'm just staring at what is just a room. Like this whole place is now danger to me. Yeah. He's, he's just he's just drinking it all in, the, the, the terror of what's going on. Yeah. I, I really like as well that, you know, you, you mentioned Catherine Hahn's character there. The look on her face is more about self-preservation. She's she's worried about her political career, whereas you can, you can genuinely tell that Lionel is worried about the fate of humanity. Um, and that really, really comes across in the performances. I thought that was lovely. Yeah, you're right. That like concerned look is is very like I think it's like the way she like crunches her body and she's looking down. It's very much like shit. Where am I at? She's already thinking about the Versus press release. Like, <laughs> and the, the yeah, while well, Lionel's like staring and darting all around, looking out to the world. Right. That you're right. That's a really clean way of seeing them. One being inwardly focused and one being externally focused. Ah, that's really cool. I didn't catch that. The it's already happening. Let's eat line that Miles has. Mm. Um, the whole most most of Lionel's like when Lionel's looking around, we've got sort of a bust to like maybe six inches above his head framing, right? Uh, and then as line uh, as Miles comes and they talk, we're we're cutting in to the point where we've got sort of the standard movie sort of top of the head cut off, mm. really sh- tight shot as he's like staring at Lionel like really glum as Lionel's like let's eat. And, and like that's just it feels really tight and like oh Lionel's like having a moment and then we cut to this super tight shot where everything's blurry and we're seeing part of a chest and then there's the slam down of the drink yeah Did you- which is labeled miles yeah. right and it's got some peels in it it's some sort of cocktail now, but there's a really fancy crystal glass I, I wanted to i wanted to point out the cocktail yeah he, he does appear to be drinking an old-fashioned i assume just based on the peel which you know is absolutely fine it's a classic for a reason but it does speak to the kind of basicness of miles where he sort of you know he assumes that this is a drink that fancy people drink you know that kind of way where it's it's all very contrived like he doesn't actually have this really eloquent drink order he just drinks what don draper drinks i thought that was kind of nice i don't know if that was intentional but that's how i read it it's it's just this guy's full of shit yeah he's definitely full of something um uh, and like again even the like the tackiness of the like miles glass mm. it's not like etched on the glass it's like metal letters yeah. affixed to a glass which only way to do that is kind of glue right you don't get metal to unless you like etched the like gap in and then recessed it in it would still be glue okay. and the reason i bring it up is because if you think of what what that glass looks like from miles's point of view seeing the back of the letters it's gonna look kind of tacky, but isn't like I think you know like he's it's so really hard to make that outward look. appearance. He doesn't really care about how things look to him. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of like just the logistics of that type of glass, and maybe it's just you know they made a Miles glass. But I just kind of like the idea of so long as it looks like Miles in big metal current letters, it's fine, right? That's Miles. I'm drinking it old fashioned. It's like you know it. It just feels like knowing how things are made it feels like mm. oh this is like literally a bit of a facade yeah yeah and it like his name is going to look odd distorted by the the liquid in the glass like the, yeah the more you think about it the more it's like that, that's just a weird thing to be looking at when you're holding it in your hand and except to be like i'm miles right yeah. some fancy-ish places i've also seen 
photos of very fancy places. No one puts their name on a glass unless they're at a birthday party for like an eight-year-old, right? <laughs> that I you know, whether the like me reading into the metal, how it would be affixed to the glass might just be, you know, me over-interpreting. But just the idea of a named glass, mm. basicness, I think, is tied to an insecurity of being basic, right? Mm. There's something about yelling your name on your glass in all caps that sort of speaks to people should know me and pay attention to me. But it's like, dude, if if you lived the Miles persona, you wouldn't put your name on anything because everyone knows your name, yeah. right? There's like like that that there's that lack of confidence. The label. We then he he rings. You know he does the classic. Uh, you'll see this, but the with the glass with a knife. And I thought it was really nice that he did it with the sharp edge because that's just bad yeah, bad utensil use. Yeah. And again, I feel like that's on purpose to show that he's like not really thinking about the quality of things and like mm. the idea of dulling a knife. Right? He's just like hit it with the knife. Hey, hit the knife with the glass. Um, and then we get this really great super wide shot right and it's um this table and the table is like what like two-thirds down middle like third fifth to fourth fifth kind of thing like it's the middle chunk but there's so much uh, the table and all the bodies are such a tiny part of the screen Mm -hmm. and then you've got all you see all these glass sculptures uh, and they're on these weird little podiums. You see some sort of work of art. It looks like in the back corner or against the wall. You've got this, like, you see the, the like, weird pillars. That would, I think must have been, like, Greek ruins that he's, like, Bought put into remade, the yeah. place. Uh, and then that's the, the really cool spiral staircase that definitely didn't pass, uh, you know, health and safety. <laughs> um, up to the, presumably, the, the glass onion podium place, right? We're clearly right below the onion plinth or platform Mm. but it's just such a really bizarre like the more i look at that set the more like what is this yes this really tasteless clash of all these different things that don't really blend together is that is that kind of yeah is that like a jackson pollock or something above the the pillars yeah i was actually just looking at that i don't know it looks like yeah it looks like some really more abstract sort of you know i'm i Art fans don't get mad at me. Yeah. Just trying to describe it, like like paint flicking on a canvas all over, except in the middle there's this like white spot. Um, obviously, I think it's more interesting aesthetically, but just to get to paint the picture, um, and that's like kind of obfuscated by these weird ruins, yeah. uh, like these pillars and the top uh, part of wherever that is that's uh, dropping down in front, and then there I don't know what the picture of the guy is on the weird. That like fresco or looks like it's pulled and, off of a different era's wall and, and that's it's that's just, a very like all a, of it is a photorealistic like, painting nearly and then above it is just this really modern art looking kind of just abstract shapes it's it's, it's so kind of just a clash of stuff oh, that don't so go together, you know yeah and like and i don't know what that light fixture is it looks yeah. like an alien from star trek <laughs> Right, it's just this weird blob of like it looks like a bunch of hanging wine glasses, white filaments, but then yeah. there's like um, red dots, blobs in the middle. Who knows uh, what those are? But it's just this makes this sort of cloud shaped thing with red dots throughout, and kind of a different depth. And you're like, that's a neat light fixture. Mm. It literally, I can't see another part of this room that it goes with. Yeah. Like it's just like it doesn't go with the staircase. That's too mod and sleek. It's too like jarring and almost pixelated, and it's like linear. It looks like, like I said, like like uh, single spires of white glass making it so that like you have these very 
regimented sense of that cloud. Everything is sort of made up of lines, which doesn't fit the flow of the actual architecture that's then just been slapped on with these random pieces of like archaeology and art. And then what looks like a kind of conventional table, just sort of mm. underneath. Yeah, nearly Ikea, yeah. kind of just minimalist kind of black table. And then we get the, the slow, slow, like dolly in while um, Miles is standing at the head of the table. Barely can tell it he's standing there because, again, we're so far off. And it starts to zoom in and he says, we've got three days. Cut in to have fun and, oh, I've forgotten her name. Um... Whiskey, right? Whiskey is, yes, the beautiful yes. one. And so we see that uh, Miles is talking about fun in the sun, and Whiskey's kind of got her hand on her chin, and he sort of reaches out, and they they grasp hands. She gives him an awkward smile. Duke crosses his fingers. She takes a drink, parts it off, like pounds it back. And then we get a nice cut to Lionel just still clearly being overwhelmed. Mm. I thought that was a really neat, um, really quick way of showing three or four characters like still reacting to his like plan but also still reeling from like yeah it's like here's the plan for the weekend and then cutting to lionel being like what is this building i'm in yeah. is a nice way of restitching the it's like right so this is like a nice like a nice little so this is what the weekend's supposed to look like audience and people at the table uh, and then having it cut to lionel just like clearly tuned out being like but also audience remember something big just happened yeah. and this whole place is like clearly dangerous also they're all so kind of tense and uncomfortable in the presence of this guy and then mm -hmm. we see that while he's talking to them and and they can all feel him you know looking at them all you mm -hmm. have this portrait just out of uh it's it's behind dave batista's character and it's a little bit yeah. out of focus and you can clearly tell that it's a portrait of Miles Braun, topless, but with like exaggerated musculature. So it's almost like he's looking at them from every angle. So like even... Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. And, and it's it's a like really awkward... It, it nearly looks like something you'd you'd make with AI of yourself. You know, it's like one of those yeah. kinds of things. You upload a picture of yourself and you say, hey, Dally, make this, make this person like ripped in a postmodern sort of background yeah. or something like that. Um, it's 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 just a really nice and and you can tell it's definitely Ed Norton because he's got that really distinctive kind of peanut shaped head <laughs> and that like kind of yeah and and his hair yeah. right is really tight in and it kind of crops up and you could like you say you just see everyone he's describing this like cool fun weekend and what should be like essentially like and we're doing an escape room mystery solving mm. thing and everyone is so glum. Uh, like, and, and we also get a good shot of the, the light fixture that I was talking about, which is like the sort of dots are clearly red rectangles. And I was right. These are, these are these like really sort of droplet type spiky things making layers to sort of from the one side, make it look like a cloud with red dots in it. And from this side, you can just kind of see the skeleton of it. Um, and then you just see like all of these like cups in the middle and like people are sort of staring at them, but Birdie's kind of off in her own little world, having just downed her drink doesn't care um duke is still arms crossed um claire's like uh staring off in the distance but everyone else is kind of looking at him and i think that's like a nice recap of wh who we cut away to in this sort of minute um i i, I really like I've, I've written down one of the things he says um is uh we're going to eat good food and wine <laughs> which yeah. you know it, it it's just he says so many things like that throughout the film where it's it's just slightly wrong 
And I, I never really picked that up watching it the first time because obviously, he, you know, there are other times where he just makes up words. But that, that, that sentence just doesn't make sense. Eat good wine. Uh, I really like that. Tonight in this very room, a murder. And that's our clip, right? Uh, and he's doing these hand gestures. And you're right, this is very Last supper sort of thing because he's standing tall, everyone's sitting and kind of looking at him with different expressions. And he's like, um, his arms are sort of half by his side and he's sort of like talking with his hands and pinching his fingers together. And it's, yeah, it's just very like, I'm imparting on you wisdom sort of frame and posture. But it's like, but you're talking about eating food and wine and a murder mystery like and he and he says partay like ross geller from friends which i oh, love i didn't write that one down but boy did i hear it um yeah i mean it's it's a simple minute in one sense right yeah. like it's like a one of those build-up minutes I, i'm gonna suggest um but uh still a lot packed in there uh, i think as, as you pointed out astutely it's a lot of really seeing miles mm. And most of the reactions are kind of in service of that. Most of the other shots are in service of his relationships or people reacting to things he say. He says not really their characters developing. Yeah, I, I mean... So, like, when, when did you see it? For I saw it uh, during its brief theatrical release. Uh, so myself and my fiancé went to see it. We'd seen Knives Out and we loved that. Um, and, yeah, I was delighted to have seen it in the cinema. Um, it wasn't a packed screening because... I don't. I. I feel like it wasn't marketed. Very, the the actual theatrical run wasn't marketed that well. Um. That they, they, they really put the the big push into the into the streaming release. Um. But we were delighted to have seen it in the cinema because I. I. I think. Uh. As much as I do still really really like this, I. I. I don't know if it's maybe as kind of watertight and laser focused as Knives Out was. I. Th I think this one to me just felt much more like good pantomime, colorful fun. Um, and I nearly think it was better seen in the cinema for that reason. Uh, now, I, I, I don't know if I, everyone on, on this podcast will agree with that, but uh, that was my feeling leaving was that I, I loved all the characters, maybe maybe less concerned with, with the, the murder mystery this time around as I was the first time, um, but still really, really enjoyable. And I'll, I'll definitely watch 10 of these if they want to keep making them. I think that's my key takeaway is uh, the same. I definitely will watch more. It it scratches an itch that i had forgotten i had mm. um like i grew up um in uh calgary canada and we had have had a and e which i think is um arts and entertainment and uh in the 90s it was less weird fake history battles of ninjas and warriors um i think it's a U u.s station but um and basically in the middle of the day it would just be like 70s and 80s detective dramas Lovely. So like Ellery Queen, Columbo, um, a whole bunch of them, and uh, and so I just like on sick days I would just watch that. Yeah, love them to bits. And what I really loved about Knives Out is it felt like it was tapping into that, but in a very different way. Mm. Um, but the reason why it was tapping into it is um, even though they have cell phones and stuff, like Knives Out felt very timeless because like not a lot. Like, there was driving that was part of that plot, right? But there was not a lot of other stuff that needed to be in a specific time and place. Mm. Obviously, um, in this movie, it's a post-COVID, right? The first chunk of the movie is really dealing with everyone post-COVID, which I thought is really interesting and a cool way of doing and it. Insane. Um, it's and insane that it came out so soon after it as well. 
yeah, like really cranked it out. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder what the earliest scripts were because yeah. I'm assuming the first draft of it had nothing to do with it. And when you think about it, once they're on the island, it's like didn't have to be Kobe, right? Yeah. Yeah, true enough. Because they're just all on an island and they've all magically been cured. So I assume that first, like, act, well, not even act, that first, like, in fact, actually, um, it's like only a few minutes after the official title card um, that everyone gets the magic cure. Yeah. Right? Because it's like title card comes and they're all on the dock. And by the time they get on the, before the, each of them gets on the boat, they get the magic spray or whatever. Uh, so I assume that, in, but again, the it's like 10 minutes in, right? Um when we get that title card. So that 10 minutes probably had to be rewritten, but the rest basically doesn't, right? It doesn't really factor in. But I do think, as you pointed out, that sort of sci-fi um, clear thing puts it almost like, yeah, more like the heightened James bond yeah. than the what I thought was really cool about Knives Out was it felt like kind of most crimes, most stuff, most drama, most like interesting things that happen in families, like... The, the 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 stuff that attaches to the year like an ipad versus like a laptop or something like that just doesn't matter yeah right it's not where like this these are human things and humans haven't changed even though like the technology has right so like it would have been weird in the like in the thematic framing of knives out if they had like a nest camera mm. on the doorstep right and people you could be like oh yeah there's a camera where we see someone's at the door right because because the whole vibe of that was yes there were cell phones, and yes, it's around the time it was filmed. But also, it could if you just like shifted the tech by like twenty years, that basic story would be the same. And this is the exact opposite, right? It's like not only is it post COVID, but it's just like because it's dealing with these like futurist technology billionaires as the bad rich people of this film. Um, it just it, it has to be kind of nowish, mm. which I really admire, admire Ryan Johnson for not for like juggling that right from not being like well i could continue making this sort of timeless feeling nostalgic for those who have but still just very entertaining pieces or i could just like balls to the wall this is the thing that's happening now it's post-covid and like your elons who i'm sure another episode's covered this character is written well before elon bought twitter blah 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 <laughs> it's a pastiche of these guys yes um you know that the, there was revelatory performances in knives out i I don't know if there was in this as such. Like, there's a lot of actors in it that I was glad to see again. Dave Batista, I think, is amazing. Uh, Catherine Han, um, Kate Hudson. Hey. I, you know, I, I hadn't seen something really, really good with Kate Hudson in a while, so that was nice. Um, and and obviously Ed Norton. Um, but like mm-hmm. Anna, Dar- I, 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 I had definitely seen Anna Darmas before Knives Out, but that was the first time I really kind of took notice of her. Um, and I didn't really have that watching this, you know, it didn't, didn't have that big one central performance. And, and in fact, and I apologize for this, I've actually forgotten the, the lead actress's name. Um, I, and she's perfectly good in this. It just didn't have that same kind of Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Yeah. Um, very, very good. Very, very strong. But it, 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 there was an element of kind of more of the same to that character, I, I thought in a way. Um, and, and on the topic of James Bond, what I really, really liked about Knives Out was, Benoit Blanc felt so different to James Bond in that. And mm-hmm. even his physique, even the way he carried himself, like he was just a little bit kind of stockier. And you could tell Daniel Craig went to a lot of effort to make him sort of less cool than James Bond. And he, he really kind of stood apart. Whereas I think in this one, both because of the trappings of where they are and the colors and the outfits and everything. And he's also a little bit trimmer. And I suspect that's probably because it was filmed so close to No Time to Die. 
yeah. it it sort of blurs the lines a little bit more and it it just makes it less special than it, it like the, and a lot of people have sort of said this could nearly be a bond movie like sometimes it feels like you're watching a james bond movie you know so and and i love james bond but i you know i i liked the the contrast in knives out whereas i i think that's there a little bit less in this one but i still think like what an amazing character if you want to make 10 of them by all means i'll, I'll definitely turn up for benoit blanc and you know, there's a bit of accent Olympics going on in this movie with, and and in the last one, but you know, I'll 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 I'll, I'll buy it. He's doing his best. He's great. I, I I think the accent Olympics. I choose to to read it as like he is this, like, and they say in his like first scene in the bathtub of this movie, right? He is the world famous detective, mm. and then even on the docks scene, right? People are like, oh yeah, you did that thing with that Russian dancer, etc. Yeah. So I choose to believe it's because he's bouncing around the world so much. Okay, that yeah. His accent's getting a bit muddled. Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, that's just me making things up, but <laughs> it uh, it at least makes it seem less like, come on, dude, hold the accent. Um, I have to ask, by the way, and I'm sure this has been discussed to death in the other minutes of the other hosts and all that. Ah, uh, so beauty of these things is we haven't talked about it, so we get to. I I have started watching Poker Face, and obviously Natasha mm. Leone has. Uh, a cameo at the start of this and i think it's absolutely excellent have you watched it at all i haven't yet in fact so uh so my first five minutes was included the bathtub scene okay and so my um my co-host in those minutes was like great you should watch it especially if you like Uh, like it literally is colombo like it's that's basically what 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 he said it was like oh i really should but like yeah and for so so like for some reason even though i technically have more time because i'm not doing part of my job Mm. Um, I just haven't watched a lot of TV, yeah. um, but uh, it's like near the top of my list. Yeah, and and I, w- I would partner. say it it's ideal if 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 you're looking for something that you don't want to get sort of sucked into and you need to watch multiple episodes in one sitting. It is great because every episode is so self-contained that you you, could, oh, you nice. can literally watch one and then not watch another one for a week, and you won't have that kind of itch that oh I need to go back to it, you know um it's it's oh, that is great it, it's very much yeah, like the, it's such a throwback to the old procedurals there's even a cool car in it you know like it's that much of a kind of 70s type oh. show um but the reason i brought it up as well is like it's very much like colombo it's a how catch him as opposed to a whodunit and yeah re- like revisiting glass onion i was kind of like mm, I'd, I'd really like to watch a benoit blanc movie where we find out exactly the, the you know the circumstances around the murder at the start and it's up to him to catch up you know, uh, just because I'm really, really enjoying that format on that show, I have to say it's really good. Yeah, so I re- I, I agree. I think it'd be a, a really neat twist on the fact that this is sort of a jaunt through sort of different notions of obviously capitalist rich people mm. um, and, and where the rich are, how they be, and um, critiquing that while doing murder stuff, but also like going through different pastiches, etc. And yeah, the... Uh, how they catch him is a really good way of putting it because um, there's something that extra level of like I do like the tracking the the tracking the who you think the bad guy like I'm in the same epistemic position as the detective and then it's really neat when some shows show you stuff that the detective hasn't mm. while some show you only what the detective has so it's like you are just inhabiting their role and if you can connect dots quicker that's neat versus oh you're getting extra information and, and then you kind of get that bal- that sort of balance between the two of like I have a little more so I'm pretty sure it's this person but I'm kind of playing the same game as the detective but the like I know exactly what happened I saw it yeah. 
oh, how are you going to figure it out? And then I read, I really like about the how to catch them ones is that often you, you just get these clues that are not from the, like, because in Columbo, right, you just see the scene. Mm. But, like, what leads Columbo to the thing is all the stuff beforehand. Exactly. So you're still you're still going with him and learning things. It's just you already... So you're trying to connect the new stuff he's learning to the thing you already know, but he's not doing the same connecting. He's trying to connect it to possibly that, possibly something else. Yeah. And so you're always in this disjoint relationship epistemically. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it would be really great if Ryan Johnson tackled something like that. So uh, so you already said you, you loved Knives Out and um, uh, this slightly less. Uh, how many times have you seen it? Uh, I've only seen both... Uh, other than kind of rewatching the specific minutes, and, and I'm sorry, I, I watched, I rewatched the whole movie leading up to the minutes as well, uh, but I haven't rewatched mm. everything after it. Uh, but yeah, no, I've seen it once in the cinema and then once leading up to this. Yeah. So I've actually only watched it once, and then I've watched my individual minutes because, of course, the whole point up, up until our Friday episode uh, is that we. Um, we don't spoil. Mm. And so I was like, I know it's been a couple months since I've seen it or what do you know? More than a couple months, but you know what I mean? Um, so I'll just like kind of take these as time capsules. Yeah. Be like, Oh, I remember, I think this part of the movie, but I am definitely going to just talk about this minute. Um, but I know after I'm done, my last episode records, I'm bringing to watch the whole thing again. It's kind of yeah. like, Oh, I'm done my part of this project. Um, you saw it in the cinema, which I'm, I'm jealous of. Cause again, I think you're, uh, you're right. There's also just like good cinematography that would yep. look better than on a laptop screen or even a television at home. And and there's um, big laughs. Although, you know, there, there, there's hmm. it's it's always like he goes for big laughs that he, you know you, you want to experience that in in a, in a room full of people. And I know that they tried to kind of market this as something you kind of sit down and watch with your family on Christmas Day, and that, that that's a great idea. But I find, especially in this country, for some people, for some reason, people like the kind of. Uh, subjugation of seeing what's on like as in what's like coming on the broadcast television like the the, mm. the idea of choosing something to watch on a streaming service is just so alien like especially to my parents generation i could never picture them going oh this new thing is on netflix let's all watch it whereas you know if something came on channel four or whatever that day right. you know they'd, they'd watch it so you know i i'd be interested to find out just how many families actually sat down and watched it at christmas time yeah that's a good point i know my partner's uh family watched it when she came went to the states back to to her uh her family and they watched it like over the christmas break but i don't think they watched it on christmas mm. it was just like this thing we will watch eventually yeah and you're right there is something having uh grown up not in the uk uh or or parts close by um um and then moved uh, here. There's something, I mean, the BBC system, for example, is, is I think the big reason why, right? So like, uh, or like having small channel, like small number of national like channels that everyone watches, even in the streaming era, there's still like TV on schedule is still a thing in a way that like, it's just completely been murdered yeah. back home, right? Like I grew up with cable TV, you know, we had the regular package, which was like, 50 to 70 channels something like that right uh and they were various some of them were kind of basically the same thing but from a different outlet from a different like state because mm. we we're south enough calgary south enough that we got stuff from like idaho and montana and things but like mostly it was just like yep those are all the channels and so even then it was like sure you had the big 
Canadian couple stations and then like national stations and then the big like NBC, ABC, CBS, all that, right? And so there were still like whenever Seinfeld new episode came out or Star Trek The Next Generation, if you're a big old nerd like me, yeah. right? You would watch those. But by the time I like finished undergrad and like downloading movies was already a thing and it was like, ah, things had shifted. And by the time streaming services like Netflix came around, it's like, well, there is no appointment viewing. Yeah, there's no appointment viewing in... in the thing and then i moved here uh to to england in what 2012 mm. and it was like oh there's like stuff yep. like i don't think like yeah maybe the super bowl is the closest thing i can think of a thing that people watch regularly but it's still only sports fans but if i think about like eurovision yeah there's just not a thing that could possibly be like that across the demographics who want to watch eurovision absolutely right? not it's just it's just a different thing and i find it really fascinating that like so much of our entertainment is made in the states yeah and filmed in canada um uh but um but like that appointment viewing of that model doesn't really exist yeah no i, I i'm actually i i work in unscripted television here in ireland and absolutely like oh, really? that there's um like if you look at the late late toy show which is a big uh, it, 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 it's a big landmark thing that's been going for 50 or 60 years it's on every Christmas so we have a thing called the Late Late Show which is a Friday night talk show uh, it's quite a bit older than the American one and it does get confusing but uh, every year they, they do this thing in November called the Toy Show where they uh, they they review all the upcoming toys for Christmas and they have kids on it's really wholesome and all that oh, kind of stuff. Cute. and that gets viewers in the millions. And we, we have a population of like 6 million people in this country. And every year, like one, oh, wow, 1. Really? 1.5 million people watch it. And that's not including the people around the world who watch it. That's just people in Ireland? That's just people in Ireland. And then, you know, you, you have these, you know, premium dramas in the States that are made for, you know, 2 million an episode or something like that. And they have viewers in the hundreds of thousands. Like, the you know, as much as the, the and broadcast is slowly declining here as well but it's nowhere near the level of just utter decimation it is in america you know yeah. um now it's 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 really interesting you know but the, the problem is the budgets the license fee all the all those things that are controversial in the uk are also the same thing here people don't want to pay the license fee costs are going up cost of living everything else like that so what is happening is uh american production companies are taking advantage of the fact that we don't have any unions <laughs> here so they're flying all their crews over and they're filming all their their not good game shows over here <laughs> which is amazing oh really yeah so like I, I, my friends have worked on shows with like randy jackson and all the all these people that like would be fairly well known here but are not kind of household names um yeah. and yeah it's surreal they just fly in these american audiences american contestants and american celebrity judges and they film it all here. I was going to ask about the so they fly the audience in. I th I think they fly the audience in as well, or at least they fly in a contingent of Americans <laughs> to dot around the right. Right. So so you know you, you'll still have your kind of people who are just applauding and all that kind of stuff. But anytime they need to go into the audience and ask a question, they'll have a it's they'll a have a you know token American U.S. Area. plant. Um, That's really funny. It's really funny and it's really frightening because <laughs> yeah oh yeah let's be clear it's funny and sad yeah. Um, from my point of view who don't doesn't work in the thing it seems god capitalism mm, no i'm gonna hold back because we thank you again rob for uh guesting on this uh minute 46 um do you have any plugs uh yeah i co-host the all-star super fan podcast which is a superman podcast for any comic book fans out there and i also very very occasionally co-host a dick tracy minute 
uh, with my good friend Parker. So I, I think we're up to minute eight or nine on that. Uh, we haven't recorded a new one of the radio plays. Say that again. Is this one of the radio plays or is this the, the uh, movie? Oh, the Warren Beatty movie, yeah. Um, so okay. we're about eight or nine uh, episodes into it and we're on an extended indefinite hiatus, but we will be back eventually, I promise. Amazing. Do you have uh, any socials? Uh, yeah, well, All Star Superfan, you can find us on All Star Super Pod on Twitter and then it's All Star Superfan on Facebook and Instagram as well. And you can find you can find me at, at the Gothamite on... You can find us here at Glass Onion Men. That's all one word. Uh, and please, obviously, uh, you've heard this from every podcast you've ever listened to in every episode, unless people are dropping the ball. But rate, review, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. It helps us pop up on the rankings, which is very important when we're, you know, a limited run podcast. Uh, but also lets people find out more about this show. Um, uh, for me, you can find me at the Omniarch. That's T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H on the Instas and the Twitters. I also co-host tanked up the podcast all about craft beer and video games you can find us at tanked up cast um yeah so that's us uh we'll say goodbye for today and we'll see you tomorrow which should be tuesday thanks again i've been adil i've been rob bye